Church, my name is Caleb, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. And we're continuing today in a sermon series that we're calling Cosmic Christmas. We're taking a look during this series, Cosmic Christmas, not at an earthbound uh, view of what the Christmas story looks like, but at a cosmic view of what the Christmas story means for us. And so we're not primarily looking at it as individualistic. We're not primarily looking at it even as communally. We're looking at it cosmically. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at a, a a book of the Bible that a lot of people don't usually expect around Christmas time will be in the book of Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn there. Uh, if you're joining us online and you don't have a print Bible, I'd encourage you to just go to Bible.com, and we're using the Christian Standard Bible today. If you're joining us in person, we also have it available for you in print. Uh, but we're looking at this, uh, this cosmic view of Christmas, and we're also doing so while we're reflecting on uh, the Advent season. And Advent is a season in which we uh, get in touch with, we check in with our heart's longings, our laments, our desires. And as, uh, especially for those of us who maybe grew up in kind of American uh, Christmas traditions, there's a lot of like, ah, about Christmas, right? Uh, but there's not really a lot of space for longing, lament, uh, and pain, and Advent actually is a season that's looking forward to Christmas, but also recognizing our lament and our longing now in this moment. And, and one of the things that we're deficient in as a, as a culture is songs that really touch base with that, songs that check in with that longing or that lament. Now, uh, have you guys been to the, uh, to the store and heard the Christmas uh, tunes, the Christmas soundtracks? What do we got? You guys, you guys hearing this stuff? Uh, you go to Home Depot. I was at Home Depot four months ago. They were playing uh, Christmas on heavy rotation, trying to uh, huck their uh, Christmas wares. Uh, you go to the grocery store to pick up like a jar of peanut butter. There's a holly jolly Christmas. What are some of the other like songs that you hear at a grocery store or Home Depot at Christmas season? What do you What do you hear? What is it? Joy to the world, happy song. What else do you hear uh, Christmas time, Home Depot? Right. What is it? Jingle bells, of course. Uh, I saw. Uh, mommy kissing Santa Claus, uh, uh, these types of songs, right? And generally speaking, the, the Home Depot playlist or the, the Bash's playlist for Christmas time, they kind of really focus on the ah of Christmas, right? And so we're kind of just, we're enculturated. And they, did you know, did you know, can I talk to you about evil for a moment? Um, depravity, the brokenness of humanity, in our culture, uh, there, are you aware there's a Hallmark Christmas channel? <laughs> they all year round, they literally run, uh, they call it Christmas uh, programs, but it's not. It's a dumpster fire, it's trash. It's a trash can, it's a trash can full of evil. And, I don't, and so I just wanna invite you this Advent to lament with me that we're a kind of culture that gives money to this stuff? I mean, what are we doing? Okay, so, uh, so, uh, Where's my wife? I love you, honey. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to, yeah, the couch, we got to get those cushions on the couch nice and ready. Okay, so, but Hallmark Christmas, you know, the, the thing with the Hallmark Christmas Channel, or there's a few other Christmas channels, the Christ, these Christmas, what they do is they, it's a, it's a ha, happy, and then there's kind of a one, like, little five-minute part, and then the rest is ah, right? There's no Advent season in the Christmas playlist at Home Depot. There's really no Advent season in the Hallmark Christmas channels. A community is a culture we're deficient. 
in that regard. And I just want to notice that in Christian tradition, the Advent season is four weeks leading up to one day. And in those four weeks, it's a season of recognition of the brokenness of the world, our desire for God to fulfill ultimately his promises to us, a recognition of the longing that we have that things are not right. And so I want to invite you this Advent season to consider some of the songs that tie in or tune into this. One of my favorite songs that I don't think I've ever heard at Home Depot or Bashes or on the Christmas Channel is one we just sang a moment ago. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel is another way to say God with us, which is another way to say Jesus. God with us. We want God to be with us. And that song, Come Emmanuel, is a song of deep longing. And I just encourage you, if you have time this Christmas season, this Advent season, read through the lyrics of O Come Emmanuel. It's gut-wrenching. One of the lines we read just a moment ago, O come now, day spring, come and cheer our spirits by your advent here, your presence here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. Now, in those lyrics, what do you hear? The, the person who's singing that song or the person who's reflecting on those lyrics, what, what do we know about the gloomy clouds? Where are they in that song? They're right here now. That's why the singer is saying, disperse them because they hang over me. Death's dark shadow, put it to flight, get it out of here. What is the assumption of the singer? That death's dark shadow is where? Here now. Oh, come, God, with us. Bring cheer to my weary soul. Disperse these gloomy clouds of darkness and night and death's dark shadow put to flight. Now, that's a song I can get behind, and I'll tell you why. Because it connects with my actual lived experience. I don't think I've ever seen mommy kissing Santa Claus. And I've never rid on a, ridden on a one-horse open sleigh. But I know what it feels like to be in the presence of the shadow of gloom and death. At you? And so Advent is an invitation to check in with our longings and our lament. These desires that we have for God to fulfill his promises to us. It's a time to lament our pain and brokenness and to have a hope-filled anticipation that one day God will dwell with us. In order to make sense of all of these longings and this, this whole idea, I want to just give to us for a brief moment, if you will, the entire story of the cosmos. Now, I, I'd like to ask your permission, if it's okay. I want to ask your permission. If you guys are okay with it, I'd like to give you the abbreviated version. Is that okay? Yeah, we got, we got places to be after this. So if not, if you guys want the full version of the entire story of the cosmos, I'm game if you are, but we're going to need to set up another situation, okay? Because with some of us, we got places to be. Okay, so let me just give you, from a cosmic view, the entire story of the cosmos and, frankly, the entire story of your Bible. 
Okay, so you guys ready to come with me as we look at the entire story of the, the not the cosmopolitan, entire story of the cosmos, right? The, the whole created order. So in, have you guys um, ever heard this before? In the beginning, guess, guess where that's from? Genesis. Yeah, it's the first book of the Bible, okay? So George Lucas had some great one-liners, right, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but he was riffing on a theme started in Genesis, namely in the, in the beginning. Okay, so in the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And this is what's really interesting. In Genesis 1 and 2, what you'll find as you go home today when you read your whole Bible later today, which I know you guys do every Sunday uh, religiously. <laughs> so uh, in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, if you don't read your whole Bible, at least read Genesis 1 and 2. Because in the beginning, what you'll notice is that in Genesis 1 and 2, you have God creating, calling into existence, forming the heavens and the earth. And the heavens and the earth by any ancient reader would have been understood to be God's space and human space, and in Eden, or the paradise, by the way, Eden, you know what it means? You guys know what Eden means? It just means paradise, or like paradise of God, or like God's paradise, okay? So Eden is God and human space combined. If you read in Genesis 1 and 2, one of the things you'll notice is that God, the creator, dwells directly with human, Okay? So in God's paradise of Eden, in he- when heaven and earth, it's, they're united as one. So if you were to walk into Eden, Genesis 1 and 2 time frame, you say, hey, uh, where's heaven? They would have looked at you and be like, what are you talking about? It's, it's here. God is walking with us. God with us. God's with us. We don't have to like ascend a mountain to go meet God. Guess where he is? He's with us in the paradise. So, 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 so here we go. God made us and desires to dwell with us. A lot of people out there, man, I'm telling you, I know this is my profession. A lot of my peers are out there. They're throwing shade. They're saying things like, God hates your guts. God is so upset with you. God thinks you're despicable. And I just want to notice that that the core identity of human is that God made us, delights in us, and desires to dwell with us, okay? Now, not because you, hold on now, I'm gonna put a little corrective out there. Not because you and I are awesome, huh? We're broken vessels, but it's because he is our father. In the same way that a father loves a child, so too God loves you. And I know that there are many of us who our parents did not we did not feel love from them. But God transcends their brokenness too. And so God desires to dwell. Okay, so that's the beginning, right? Wouldn't it be nice to stop? Okay, so here's what happens next. The suspense is killing you. Okay, so people made in the image and like, I said this is a summary. People made in the image and likeness of God, dwelling with God, God with us, dwelling with God in Eden, gave God the finger, listened to voices that were not God's, turned their own way, and rebelled. This is uh, the the, the fundamental nature of sin. And so what you have in Genesis chapter 3 is you have a rift, or a, if you want to sound fancy at the next dinner party, a schism or schism. So you can do it the right way, 
or you can do it the wrong way, but either way, you'll probably sound smarter than the other people at your dinner party. So there is a schism, schism between heaven and earth. So God's space is referred to as the heavens, and human space is referred to as the earth. By the way, in your Bible, you'll notice this when you go read it all through today, you'll notice that the opposite or the juxtaposition or the counterpart to heaven is not hell, it's earth. Heaven and earth, the heavens and the earth. You'll just notice that... uh, Literarily, it's always the heavens and the earth, the heavens and the earth, because this is the division between God's space and human space. Now, how are those created to be? As two distinct spaces or as one space, right? Okay, so, but because we humans rebelled, this is the problem, we rebelled, the corruption of our heart, we rebelled, and so you have now this, this issue, this problem that earth space, or, or excuse me, human space, which is called the earth, and heaven, uh, God's space, which is called heaven, there's a rift. Now, Throughout your uh, Hebrew, so what we call sometimes the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures um, or everything up until the New Testament, the rest of the Hebrew Scripture is asking the question, how can we reunite? To put it another way, how can we go back home? Because we're not made to be apart from our Creator. We're made for God to be, right? Right? And yet we've rebelled. So again, what was the problem? We, human, turned it back on God. We said, I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to go my own way. And so we've got this problem. Now, when humans separate themselves from God and listen to their own voice or to the voice of evil, do you think that that's good for the world or not so good for the world? So I just want to encourage encourage you, you to think about this. When selfishness and arrogance enter into your household, are people more unified or divided? Is there more peace or violence? Okay, so when we listen to our own voice, when we listen to the voice of that which is not God, when we turn our own way, what ends up happening is decay and destruction. Have you ever tasted this reality before? Death, stark shadow, So this, this long, we want to go back home because on our own, there's death, there's decay and death, right? So this is the longing. The question in the rest of Hebrew scripture is how do we get back to God with us? But you know what the perennial problem was? This is so cool. Throughout Hebrew scripture, what you'll see is a God pursuing and humans continually giving him the finger. Because ain't that our way? You know, I want, the, I want the benefits of my relationship with God, but I don't actually want God. I kind of want to be near God. I kind of want that Eden stuff, but I still want to be the king. Hmm? Okay, so the, the story of the Hebrew, the longing in Hebrew scripture is we want to be reunited, and God's like, I'm game. I'm ready when you are. Come on, you guys ever heard the parable of the prodigal son? I'm ready when you are. Come back home. And the story through Hebrew scripture is a pursuing God and a rebellious people. Okay? Merry Christmas. Okay, so Christmas is a celebration of the answer to the question, how do we go back home, God with us? And so Christmas is the beginning of the journey back home. Well, I'm sad. I said, there's a lot more nuance to it, but I said this is a summary, so deal. 
In Jesus, you have a, if you'll pardon me, a bridge, or any sci-fi nerds? Where are my family at? Sci-fi nerds, where are we at, fam? Okay, let's do it. Okay, maybe a bridge or a portal, okay? A wormhole, if you like, okay? <laughs> so in Jesus, you have a bridge between God's space and human space. In fact, they, you know the name of Jesus at first given to him was Emmanuel, which means God. We're trying to get back home. We want to dwell with God again, okay? God with us. And you know what? Jesus walked around. This is so crazy. Okay, okay, so this is summary. Jesus walked around, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he walked around and he said things like this. Hey, everyone, pay attention. Repent. Turn. You guys keep running from me. Repentance is just this. In my mind and in my heart, it's changing direction, going from my own way back to the God way. Repent, the prodigal son, repent, right? Turn, repent, and believe the good news. And we said, Jesus, what good news? The good news, now hold on now, the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. God's space is breaking in again. And Jesus was, it was Jesus is so cool, I love Jesus. Okay, so Jesus would walk around and he would be like, people would be like, hey, um, like, should we do this? Like, are you telling me I should take care of the marginalized and the poor? Are you telling me I should forgive? And, and Jesus would say things like, you're not very far from the kingdom. In fact, when Jesus is walking around, it's almost like, like this little portal just kind of follows him around because everywhere he goes, two things are happening simultaneously. The forces of evil are rising up against him to fight and people are being healed, and the dead rise, and the hungry are fed, and the prisoner is comforted. Death's dark shadow is being put to flight as Jesus is cruising around. But then there's this crazy thing that happens. He gets crucified. If only I had pearls so I could clutch them. Because that is not how I expected the story to go. Jesus is crucified. But then guess what? Just a few months after Easter, or a few months after Christmas, we celebrate Easter. Because Jesus conquered over Satan, sin, and death. He stands victorious over the gloomy cloud of night. And then something quite unexpected happened. He left. But not really. There's this day called the Ascension. So after Jesus rose from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death, showing that resurrection power ultimately wins, that ultimately death's dark shadow is going to be put to flight, Jesus, after 40 days, ascends the Ascension. He ascends into heaven, and he says something like this. He says, listen, I need to leave so I can send you, my followers, which he calls his, this is crazy, he calls us his body, Causes his body. He says, I'm going to send my spirit to you. The helper's going to come. And then he says, receive the spirit. The spirit being the animating life force of God. And so the spirit comes on to human, God. The spirit comes on to human in this in-between space. Because are we living in the earth? Right? We're living in human space. But in this human space, heaven and earth are not totally united yet, which is the hope. One day, 
heaven and earth will be reunited. You go to the end of your Bible, Revelation 21 and 22. In fact, you should go home today and read Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And then Revelation 21 and 22. And notice the similarities. The end of your Bible ends with us going back home. We're back in paradise. Except instead of a garden, it's a city with a garden in the middle. And in the middle of the city, the new Jerusalem, is the tree of life. And God's space and human space are once again reunited. But let me ask you a question that my children ask me every time I get in the car for more than 15 minutes. Are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? We're not there yet. Okay, so this is the question that the, after the Gospels, before you get to Rev, the end of Revelation, this is the question that the rest of your Bible is trying to answer. How do we now live in light of the fact that this eclipse is happening? That we are going back home, that death's dark shadow is being put to flight, but we're not there yet. So how shall we now live? And you already know the answer. You guys ever heard this? Our Father. I learned it the old-fashioned way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Stop. On earth as it, right there. Right there. Our Father, the prayer that Jesus taught his body to pray is our Father, Genesis 1 and 2, God with us, who's in heaven. Now listen, is that happy or sad? Our Father who's far from us, based on our perception. Hold on now. Our Father, who art in heaven. But if I go back to Genesis 1 and 2, where do I want to be? With us. There's a, I think there's a longing in that statement. Our Father, who's in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Come. Come, God, with us. Come, merge the spheres. Hmm? Come. In the meantime, your will be done where? Where am I? The body of Christ? Where are we? On earth. And what are we going to do? We're going to do God's will. How? As it is. Isn't that Eden? Isn't heaven on earth Eden? So how shall we now live? Because we ain't there yet. We now live in this intermediate space, God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, how's that for a summary? Let's keep going. We ain't there yet. Lent is a reminder that we ain't there yet. It's a hopeful reminder because we know where we're going, right? We know where we're going, but we ain't there just yet. And just like me to my children, I never tell them how long it's going to take. You know why? It never satisfies. There's a, a question of longing in the scripture. It goes like this. How long, O Lord? And you know, at least in my experience, I've never gotten an answer for that. But you know what answer I have gotten? 
I'm with you. I'm with you. Advent is a season of longing. In Romans 8, verses 19 through 22, Romans 8 is a beautifully uh, theologically rich, uh, also a little bit dense portion of Scripture. But I want to just key this in as we're thinking about the, co- the, 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 the cosmic nature of Christmas. And by the way, I know that I flew by on that, 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 that story of the cosmos. If you have questions, uh, we're going to be hosting a question and response time, so uh, at 11 o'clock in here. So if you, if you don't have a group or study to go to at 11 o'clock, go grab after we dismiss, go grab a coffee and a snack. Come back in here, and I'll answer, I'll respond, actually, to any question that you have about the sermon or just Bible stuff in general or faith stuff in general. I'd, I'd love uh, it's actually um, uh, one of my favorite times of the week just to be able to dialogue about Jesus and what it looks like to live that now. But I'd love to go into it more in depth if you want, just again in here at 11 o'clock uh, today, so in just a little while. But in Romans 8, I want you to notice something, okay? So let's just notice the language of Romans 8. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome who are underneath Roman uh, occupation and persecution. And this is what it says. The creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons. Oh, wait, what? Longing. But who's waiting? Oh, this is nuts. Who's waiting? Is it just people? Notice that creation is a character. Creation is almost um, manifest because creation eagerly waits with anticipation. Now, I know that this is going to bother some of us tough. When you leave today and you see the dirt on the ground and the, and the, and the dirt, we're in Arizona, I was going to say the grass in the field, but the dirt in the field and the trees and the rocks, creation eagerly waits with anticipation. Your Bible is so beautiful. It even says that the rocks cry out, hoping for the restoration of all things. That even, and this is a really interesting thing, the dirt is a character in the Bible. Now, I'd love to talk about this more in the question and response time, but the dirt cries out in anticipation and longing. And do you know why often the dirt cries out? Because of human corruption because we're staining it with blood. Genesis 4 says that the blood cries out, Abel, Cain kills his brother Abel, and it says that the ground cries out for justice. That all, again, this is a cosmic view of Christmas, that all of creation groans, the creation eagerly awaits the anticipation for God's sons to be revealed, we're, right? We're ready for heaven and earth to be reunited. For the creation was subjected to futility or decay, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. In the hope that the creation itself will also be set, the rocks are chained by our rebellion. Our rebellion is so great that even the trees await the day. To be set free from the bondage to death's dark shadow into the glorious freedom of God's children. Notice this. For we know that the whole creation has been 
groaning together with labor pains until now. This idea of labor pains is, is this, that, that the, the biblical authors recognize this, that though labor is extremely painful, there's something beautiful awaiting on the other side. And though this time of earth and heaven in the process of reuniting, but not there yet. We ain't there yet. That this season is a season of groaning, of pain, recognizing, though, that that pain will lead to something beautiful, to new life and life abundant on the other side. Pain may cometh for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. That though we experience pain and longing and lament now, there's something beautiful on the other side. I want to invite you right now, actually, we're going to change up uh, our flow just for a minute. I want to invite you to help me uh, engage in something beautiful, even in the midst of the longing. Is that okay? Some of you are like, where are you going with this, Campbell? Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay, so I want to introduce you to some friends of mine. Uh, let's see, actually, can we put them up on the slide just real quick? This is David and Abby uh, Kakito. And uh, David and Abby are serving in uh, a ministry called A Perfect Injustice in Uganda. Uh, Abby is actually from Phoenix. They're one of our partner ministries uh, around the world, one of our strategic partners, and they serve, uh, and they're doing all different types of ministry. They're doing a school. Uh, they're doing uh, recovery and care for uh, sexual assault and abuse victims, uh, all different types of ministries in this area of Uganda. And we thought, and we're actually sending a team there uh, next summer. So we're sending a team of, t there's two things that we're going to primarily be doing Actually, three, we're going to be helping to put together a library for their school, so for little kids, because we know that literacy is a huge need, and if kids can uh, discover and learn literacy, uh, they are set up for uh, the rest of the educational process and for success there. Uh, also doing a, kind of a camp for kids, and then we're doing teacher training. So we're actually, we've got a group of teachers that have been trained here in America who are going to go and train some of their teachers. By the way, we still have a couple of slots open. If you're a teacher or have educational training, uh, they are desperate for any training. And so we would love, if you want to know more about that, you can talk with me. Uh, just use the connection card in the back of the seat in front of you. Fill that out. Say, I want to talk to Pastor Kale about the Uganda trip, and I'll, I'll give you a call. If you're joining us online and want to know more, there's a contact form on the front page of our website, dsbc.church. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I said this is going to be fun. Okay, so there's a, a few hundred kids uh, that are part of the ministry and school there uh, in Uganda. And uh, they're going to be celebrating Christmas in just a couple weeks, just like we are. And we thought it would be kind of cool if we kind of video recorded a Christmas greeting in their language. So how many of you guys know uh, how to speak? Um, oh, let me, here, I wrote it down. Does anyone here speak uh, Ranyoro? Ranyoro. <sighs> Man. Well, luckily... David sent us a video. So I want you to pay attention because in just a minute, I'm going to have you guys stand up and we're going to repeat this Christmas greeting so they can show the kids. Yeah. Okay. All right. And if, you, if you're not willing to participate, just kind of smile and like thumbs up and kind of do like bah, bah, bah as if you're saying it. Okay. So watch. So, so this is David. Let's take a look at David. Hey, Desert Spring, Caleb asked me to um, show you guys how we say Merry Christmas in Runyoro. So I'm going to do it. Here it goes. Ninkugondeza amazarivwa amarunji agamukama weitu Yesu Kristu. Okay. 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 Yeah. You guys got it, right? Okay. It's going to be great. 
It's gonna be great. I think the vocabularies are slightly different, but you guys are gonna, you're gonna crush this, okay. So, uh, uh, stand up. Okay, we're gonna break this into bite-sized chunks. There's a camera, right? Do you see the flamingo in the middle of the tree? You see the flamingo? Okay, there's a camera in there. So remember, ah, and so what's gonna happen is David's gonna, we're gonna do bite-sized chunks. David's gonna do it a couple times, and then we're gonna just do that segment, and then segment, segment, and we're gonna kill it, okay? Oh, no, 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 uh, we're gonna slay. All right, you guys ready? So we're gonna break it up in chunks. David. Let's do it one more time. Ningoneza. Oh, no, no, no. You're not off the hook yet. Okay, let's do that one more time. Nick Goneza. Let's do that one more time. Amazaribwa Amarunji. Amazara wa Abarunji. Agam Kamawetu. Agam Kamawetu. Yesu Christu. Yesu Christu. Okay, so. Nikoneza Amazari wa Abarunji. Agam Kamawetu. Yesu Christu. All right, let's do it. Let's do the one full one, and then we're going to hit it. So pay attention. Here we go. Hey, Desert Spring. Caleb asked me to uh, show you guys how we say Merry Christmas in Runyoro. So I'm going to do it. Here it goes. Ninkugondeza amazariwa amarunji agamukamawitu yesu Christu. Ninkonzaga amarariwa amarangi Agan Kamawetu Jesu Christu. Yeah. All right, you guys are awesome. You can have a seat. Everyone gets extra credit if you work it into your Christmas cards this year. I, uh, man, I love, I love, I love David and Abby and the ministry that they do there in Uganda. I've seen Jesus just work in so many really powerful ways. Um, one of the most powerful has been, though, in my own life. I've been uh, and done ministry with them a couple times over the years, and I'll be headed back uh, this summer. Um, and, you know, we're talking about this idea of uh, already but not yet. We're not quite there yet. Like, Jesus has come, Christmas, Easter, Ascension. One day he will return, and heaven and earth will be totally reunited. We'll be back home. But in the meantime, we live on earth as it is in heaven in anticipation that one day heaven and earth will be reunited. But I'll tell you, at least for me, living on earth in the midst of the brokenness and death's dark shadow, uh, that's been difficult sometimes. And maybe you found it difficult too. But there's gifts that we have to give to one another, gifts of encouragement, gifts of prayer, gifts of support, gifts of community. And one of the gifts that I've received is the gift of encouragement from our brothers and sisters uh, in David and Abby's ministry. I was there, um, and, and two really powerful moments, one that really highlights death's dark shadow, and the other that highlights the presence of God with us. So death's dark shadow, we were, some of us, we were wrestling around with these boys playing soccer in this, basically, a, a, a field, 
and there was burning trash and, you know, the rocks jaded up, but we were playing soccer. There's maybe 30 to 40 boys, and uh, they encouraged us. They said, you know, these boys don't really have, you know, male figures that love them and care for them in their life. So if, if they want to, if they, like, jump on you or want to wrestle around, that, that would be okay. Actually, we would encourage that because having good, healthy touch is something they're deprived of. And so, you know, I was like, great, you know, wrestle around, that sounds fun. So we're wrestling around, and one of the things that we notice is that some of the boys, and these are boys like four years to 13 maybe, uh, some of the boys had a number cut into their arm. And so we were like, oh, what's that? Like, is that a, what, what, what is that? Is that like a thing that they do to themselves? Is it, what, what does it mean? And they said, oh, that's their price. These boys were sex trafficked. They were uh, homeless. They lived in this slum. And the only use that that community found for them was to sell them, usually to American and European tourists. And I don't know how to articulate what went on inside of me when I learned that, but it's somewhere adjacent to shame, fury, outrage. And some of my fury was directed not at the people who perpetrated it, but it was at God for allowing it to happen. I mean, death's dark shadow is there. These same group of boys that are here in the slums, I mean, some of the people, if they had possessions, there's, there's on occasion there'll be someone in the community who views them as a nuisance and will literally put some food out and say, here's for the boys, but there'll be rat poison in it. Because the view is... You're nothing more than a drain on this community. In learning that, I don't know how to put to words what went on inside of me when I learned that these boys that I'm wrestling around with are treated like rats. But it was something adjacent to outrage, fury, shame. Death's dark shadow is quite, quite present. Later, uh, we we're walking, and, and some of the group kind of went over with a lot of the boys. They went over to this, uh, this Ramada, kind of this, you know, this very Spartan uh, put-together Ramada, kind of a, 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 um, just a metal roof with some posts, and that was, that was what they called their church. And they had, a, they had a locked container where they had rice and beans, and so somebody went over there with big pots, and they'd make rice and beans for the boys, and and I had, for some reason, I can't remember why, I had stayed behind. The rest of the group kind of went, and I had stayed behind. And, and Abby, I had eye shot of Abby, but the Ramada was over there, kind of on the other side of the slum. So we were going to have to kind of go through these, these huts, and there's, you know, urine and stuff running through the streets, and there's, there's refuse everywhere, and it's kind of like a maze. And, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll just follow Abby. And so I'm like, okay, Abby, right? So following her, and then I lose her. And immediately I'm feeling absolute, terror. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I'm walking, and I finally, I kind of navigate around, and I turn the corner, and I, I hear before I see, but I hear what sounds like a boys' choir. And it was. There's a group of these boys passing out their rice and beans to one another before they would eat it themselves. And they were singing a song, but I couldn't quite make out, couldn't quite make out what the song was. They were passing the rice and beans to each other. They were sharing as any had need on earth as it is in heaven. 
And I was like, oh man, what's that song? I can't understand what they're singing. I turned to somebody, I think it was David or I said, hey, what's the song that they're singing? Oh, um, the song goes like this. I won't beg for bread because my daddy provides for me. And I don't know how to put into words what I felt in that moment, but it was something adjacent to shame and regret as I looked at my own life and wondered, how is it possible that even with death's dark shadow so thick overhead for these boys, that even in this dark space, the kingdom of God is near. Advent is a season of longing. It's a season of lament. It's a season in which we, we express to ourselves and to our God our desire for his promises to be fulfilled. It's a recognition that though, wow, Jesus has certainly revealed himself to us, God with us, Emmanuel, he has certainly died on a Roman cross for our sins. He has certainly rose, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. He has certainly ascended into the heaven and certainly sent his spirit to dwell within us. That longing for death's dark shadow to be put to flight is in motion. But we're not there yet. So I want to, as we light the Advent candle today, I want to invite you to reflect, to consider the dark shadow, the decay that you see in the world. In fact, I want to invite you, if you'd like to, in this moment, take a big deep breath in, breath out. If it's helpful to close your eyes as we just think through a couple of guided questions that I want to invite you into in this Advent season. Before we light the Advent candle, I want to invite you to consider, maybe even in your own heart, to pray through this or at least express it to God. That you would now in this moment consider the brokenness, the dark shadow that you lament, dark shadow that you grieve, you take a moment now in the quiet, in the quiet of your own heart, and I invite you to process that before God, just even just to speak it to him. God, I'm grieving this. God, I'm lamenting this. You should take a moment to do that now. consider this reality. How might the arrival of God with us speak to or inform your lament? 
How would the arrival of God with us speak to or inform that lament? Just take a moment to dwell on this. as I light these candles in hope and anticipation, I invite you to consider the hope that Jesus is pointing you to this morning. Just take a moment, consider these things, and then I'll conclude our time in prayer, and then we'll sing. Come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. Jesus, we long, we lament, we anticipate. We cling to your finished work on the cross. We trust in your return. But as we await that day, we still live touched by the cloud of night. And so, light of the world, we ask that you would enliven our hearts, even in this moment, that we might sense your love for us, your delight in us, that you are constantly calling out to us turn from our own way and to turn back to you. And that you are always ready and willing to receive us. Lord, I don't know where each of us are at this morning, but you do. So I ask that you would meet us there. The spaces of our hearts recognizing that we need not fear you, that you know us more intimately than we know our own selves. In the days to come, as we prepare for a celebration of Christmas, may we also recognize our longing and that we are invited to entrust our longing, our lament, and our anticipations to you. For you care for us and your burden is light. Would you bring to us a deep sense of peace? 
by the power of your spirit, would you shape us more and more into your image, Jesus, knowing that you will never leave us or forsake us. And that one day, you will make all things right again. Until that day, empower us to live on earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.